Greetings, and welcome to the 80-Level Roundtable podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off-limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Okay, so uh, welcome to 80 Level Roundtable, where we discuss the latest news about uh, game tech and virtual production and VFX and so on. And today we have with us Victor Paris, where we are going to discuss like the latest trends in CG and film and VFX and so on. So, Victor, before we kind of start, can you give us a little intro about yourself? Like, what were you doing? Where do you work? And so on. Well, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, well, I'm, I'm a visual effects supervisor mainly. Um, these days, and I mean in the last few years, I have been switching my career from the visual effects to the direction. So I have been directing a couple of uh, short films. Um, you know, the last one, Echo, was uh, was the one that I started working with, a virtual production, but not the virtual production that everybody uh, has in mind right now, which is with LEDs. And I was using virtual production, using Unreal uh, for visualizing what what the the results of a of a green screen were about to to be, and also for dynamic lighting and all of that. But it was before the LED the, the LED screens. Oh my God, I'm feeling old already. <laughs> so so yeah, I started as a as a visual effects compositor many years ago, and then I evolved into visual effects supervising and now i'm i am preparing preparing my my first feature film as a director that i am developing these days oh, nice congrats on that so thanks at first for the audience who might not be you know in the in this industry so what does visual effects supervisor actually do so are, is this man- like a managerial position or yeah, is is the the visual effects supervisor is the the nightmare for artists? <laughs> no, come on. No, the visual effects supervisor is the one in charge of designing the the shot. So is the one working with the uh, director just to follow the vision of the director, working also with the cinematographer in order to to give the the the, the right look at the at the shot, and also working of course with the production in order to get to get it done within the budget. So it's a, it's a figure uh, that is going to consile all the narrative aspects of the story that are impossible to be shot. So you have to invent the impossible. That is what I love about my, my job. So that, that makes uh, the role of the visual effects supervisor to be one of the very first to start in, in a project as soon as the script is ready. And it's going to be one of the last to finish because it's, you are going to, to follow until the very, very last moment when the shot is, I mean, when the, the show is going to be released. When I was working as a compositor, I remember that I was, I was very proud because as a compositor, you see the shot of a particular film before anybody else in the world, even before the director. So I remember finishing shots uh, from films that were going to be released worldwide two weeks before so yeah with the visual effects process as many other process like the you know uh, are one of the first and one of the 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 last to finish so that is my job is just designing um try to make the the impossible possible so that is the best the coolest part 
So, and how did you decide to kind of move from just doing VFX into more doing more like filmmaking, like shorts and uh, feature films? Well, actually, to be honest with you, um, when I started, I started as a, as an actor many many years ago in Spain and Spanish. Um, I was an actor for for ten years. I started very early. Um, I always wanted to be a director. The thing is, by mistake. I just discovered visual effects. And that was a very nice mistake. So because I just got in love with that and I was even using the visual effects and all the graphics uh, in general, because I was also a, a designer from uh, very early career. So I was using that to pay my bills. So I was an actor, not earning enough to, to pay my bills. And then I was on the site, I was, doing effects and then one day i just realized that my side job was actually making me a, a very good income so i decided well maybe maybe you can just pay more attention to to that but in the meantime i was studying cinematography so i studied filmmaking uh with vittorio storaro uh cinematographer of uh, apocalypse now for instance he has three academy awards and i just got in love with the part of telling stories as a director. So not only as a, as a director for theater, that is mostly acting, um, you know, is actors, but using the cinema medium, when you have the point of view and deciding what to, what to frame, what not to frame and telling your own story, you know, one day after a few years working as a visual effects art, artist, I just realized that instead of helping others tell their stories, maybe I can help myself to tell mine and i really enjoyed the the process so i don't see myself as a director or as a visual effects supervisor or even a writer because i like to write the the scripts is i'm an artist and sometimes i just prefer to do things and to do other things so i mean they are still paying me for doing some of these things so i i'm quite satisfied so until they keep paying me i'm going to keep going <laughs> i got you okay so can we switch a little bit to the talk a little bit about the tools of trade, so to speak, right? So you've been doing VFX and films like for a number of years already. And how do you see like your toolkit change? Do you see like you have more tools in the pipeline that you're trying to use? Or is there like, you know, a, a lot of features coming into one tool that you are kind of dominates the process? How does that work in film? Well, I have to say that I am I, I, I love technology and that is something unrelated with, with, with art is I, I love lights and buttons since I was a child. Um, I really love the, the technology when it's applied to art because it's allowing you to tell stories in a different way. So I remember for me, it was a massive, massive change in my career when I discovered Nuke, when I started working with, with Nuke. Um, the, for the people that is not familiar with Nuke, Nuke is a software for compositing, which is, you know, like Photoshop is for compositing, but for photographies, Nuke is the same, but uh, for, for motion pictures. And um, the thing is that developed my, my artistry uh, quite a lot, because now that I know how the image works from the core, I have the ability to change the, the image itself. So to create in a composition, to create something completely different. So for certain aspects, I can do even editing in one frame 
you know, the art of editing is putting two frames together or two sequences together and just create emotions by putting in time, the sequences in time. I like the editing in frame. So something that you can create an emotion just by altering the, the, the world that you are creating in there. So when I started using Nuke, that is a very complete software in my opinion and, and has a bit of everything that you can need for modifying images, um, altering uh, reality. I started changing my way of telling stories. So even the interest that I have and how you can do the same thing in visual effects in different ways, you can use more a 3D approach or a 2D approach. I'm more towards the 2D approach because of my background, but when you start consoling everything together, that is amazing. It's, you can create new things. So I always pay a lot of attention to every release because the nice thing about Nuke is like, they is, is done by the people of the industry. So the, the people that is working in Nuke, the engineers have constantly the feedback of the people that is using the, the, the software in the industry. So I remember once, I cannot say much details about that, but when I was working at Double Negative uh, many years ago, there was a note, a particular note in there that was very, very cool because it was a custom note that they did for, for working in-house. And that was something that I use a lot because it's, wow, this is really good. And it's like, ah, it's a shame I cannot use it outside Double Negative because it's, you know, it's custom made. And then one day, I find I found that note in the in the build of Nuke in the standard version of Nuke. Why? Well, because I guess they have been exchanging things, and and that is a very cool thing. So you, as a user, as an artist, you have the opportunity to work with the technology that is used for the highest ever standard that is invented for 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 compositing at any level. So you can have it in your own computer. So. Technology influences a lot. I love to, to create even my own workflows, my own pieces of technology, techniques, and, and things because I like to explore. So, for instance, what, what I was uh, presenting, by the way, in the, in the last CG event in, in Moscow, um, is just the way I work when, when I'm doing my, my preparation for, for sets. And it's a I use a, a set of tools that I develop my, myself, but it's not a big deal. It's just a, I would say even it's kind of a macro. So what I do is I'm going to the, in the in, during the location scouting, that is for me a very delicate part of the process of creating the, the visual effects because you have to design, but it's not abstract of, you know, inventing on your own mind. You have to be aware that you know, the, the, the place you are going to shoot. So when I was in, in, in there, the first time is like, oh my God, how can I keep all that information? I need a lot of details. So the first time I was doing uh, for my first supervision, uh, 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 scouting, I was, I mean, I was bringing three people with me just to get, you get that and you get that. And it's like, it's a lot of hustle and a lot of, wasting time and you're making a lot of noise and you know as a visual effects uh, supervisor on set the first thing you learn is you have to be a ninja so you have to act but nobody needs to notice you so the first uh, the first thing that i that i learned is like you have to be efficient and fast so i prefer to spend my time where i have my time so in my own studio and um, for doing that 
I was just capturing images in, in 360 degrees in different places of the, of the location. Um, just on my own with a selfie stick, a very, very long selfie stick. And just by doing that, I created a method in, within Nuke of by using um, uh, photogrammetry, I was recreating that, uh, that model, a very basic proxy model of the, of the set with enough precision to give me, uh, to allow me to make measurements, to test angles, camera angles, to move the camera, to propose even camera movements to the director and work with the cinematographer. So it was like a hub for me for having an overview of the set and even having a view that you cannot have when you are on set. For instance, when you are on set, you don't have the view from the ceiling, I mean, from the a sky fly. I mean, you can give a, a, have a drone, but you don't bring a, a, a drone for a, for a location scouting because, you know, it's the preparation and all of that. So when, when I first used that in a, in a feature film a few years ago, what I discovered is everybody was so enthusiastic with that, that at the end, I have everybody from all departments just like, hey, can you show me that angle of the set? Because I think I was, so I was working a lot with the production designer, the cinematographer, the director, the first ID. So everybody was like super, super enthusiastic of having a tool that is going to allow you to review the set, even with the, with the virtual glasses. So I was using uh, the virtual reality, the Oculus Rift. Uh, for getting an immersed version of the set. And that allows me just to have a presence that you don't have when you are just, I mean, you just take a few pictures with the, with the camera or whatever, but pictures are very limiting. So what I wanted is to have a full overview. So when I apply that to Nuke, just using a very, very simple technology of projections, camera projections, and having projections from different points, you cover all the angles and make the measurements. Um, that is a very, very important part. So when I'm doing the location scouting, I prefer to pay attention to the cinematographer and to the, the director. So I work with them. I just stay there. Then I ask them for three, five minutes, then I go to a few points, clack, clack, clack. I, I just snap a few shots from there with my meter, my forensic meter, uh, and that's it. And then I'm going, and in one hour, I just get the reconstruction of the set. And then I spend my time in there. So I don't need to think when I am under pressure, so I can think in other places. Of course, if you are in a studio, you don't need to do that because you build the set and you work with a production designer for that. But when you want to shoot on, on location, um, that is a different flavor. So I love a lot shooting in location because, you know, you have other other things, other colors that you don't have in a, in a set. Um, that is something that I, that I it was invented just because I needed. I, I never thought about, oh, I'm going to invent a tool for that. No, it's, it was more like, oh, I just need time to think. So how can I get time? So how can I buy, buy my time in here? So I just got that. Um, what I did in the, in the last CG event in, in Moscow was, was sharing sharing that so it's virtual pre-production so many people just get confused because they think about the virtual production thing the, the you know with the lead walls and yeah of course you can apply that to 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 this but it's, it's no it's, it's very limiting so i prefer to use my tools for designing more than for executing and production i think it's a very cool way to kind of use photogrammetry in in this field right because 
this tool has been around for a while and especially in game industry where i'm mostly coming from it's like it's used a lot like to especially yeah. in realistic games and when you build need to build natural assets and even when you need to create some you know architecture they just yeah. scan stuff and so on but it's nice to see how you're kind of twisting it in a way to make use even for the design process because i think first of all it saves you a lot of time and then you can kind of reapply the time to make you know your creative decisions figure out like what do you want to do and so on so that's very interesting so can you i i'm, I'm just surprised that you can recreate all the data just from simple 360 videos right um can you talk a little bit about like how do you process them? Do you, what tools are you using, and what's your workflow is like with that? Well, it's just to be just to be clear. I don't create very detailed volume. When I need detail in the volume, I use uh, you know lidar scanning. But even the lidar scanning that we we use, I mean, and I mean something that what you do with your with your phone, nothing nothing fancy. I mean, it's for pre-production, so it's supposed to be fast, rough, but accurate enough. So maybe with an iPad or with an iPhone, you can create a quite decent mesh. But I don't even go for that. What I do is just to create volumes. So maybe even a cube just to represent a volume or the basic features. So in Nuke, you can, you can model, not much because it's not a software for modeling, but you can create with cards. You can create certain spaces and just by using the, the camera projection within Nuke, it's something that is very cheap in terms of the, the resources of your computer. So it is really, really fast. So using uh, CaraVR, that is a, a plugin inside Nuke, you can virtualize that in, in, in virtual reality. So just by using your, your glasses, you can have a, a view of the space. Of course, it's not going to be applied with the textures and shiny, so it's not as cool as the, you know, the unreal environment. And I'm sure sooner or later, this way of pre-production is going to be implemented with the production. So you can have an immerse. And it's not even that far because even Jean Favreau has been using this for Lion King, for instance, or for Jungle Book. But of course, it's in an animation environment. So in, in there makes sense. What I'm doing is transferring the best of both worlds, the live action and the, and the preparation, having the ability to be on that place without the, you know, I like to be in the place alone, taking my notes and making my own ideas and even flying because you can, it's like Minecraft that my son is obsessed with Minecraft. <laughs> but it's, you can create inside there many rough things, but it's accurate enough to give you a good vision and that, and also to share that. So it's like a sketch of a space. So and the, the notes that I use is just camera projection and cards, mostly cards. And sometimes I just use spheres or cubes but mainly it's just cards so i just assume because i take my measurements as well um so i i know that certain places have this distance so i just need to ensure that the units within nuke are going to reflect that that amount of units so everything is in scale so when i am in inside the virtual world i know that the distance between this point and that point is X amount of meters or miles or whatever. Um, and I can make my calculations. So even with gravity, 
if you have to drop things or just to understand how long it's going to take something to fall from that position to that position. So you can make very accurate calculations in there. Um, that is gold because all those calculations before I could use that if I call again, you know, the location manager and it's, hey, may I have a look again to the location? But then it's like, you have to make the request. They have to ask for the permission. If you are lucky, they can bring you. And if you are lucky, that location is going to be close to the production. But if not, it's, you fly to another place because it happens to me that I was shooting in Malta a few, uh, a few years ago. And how, I mean, I went to Malta, to Malta once and if you forget something, it's like, oh, I forgot to make this measurement. Can we go to Malta just for that? They kill you. So it's just, just make sure you have enough data to recreate. And that, that rough information is like a sketch. So before you're doing a painting, you start doing a, you know, broad strokes of a sketching. So my technique is just based on that. Cheap technology, uh, well, cheap technology. The technology is not cheap at all, but but the, the resources you use and the time you are using, yeah, it is easy. So I'm, when I'm doing the, the, the scouting, the virtual scouting, as I like to, to call it, um, is very helpful for that, for having a second impression. It is tricky for someone that has never been in the set in that particular location. If you have a look at, even in the virtual space, if you have a look at that, hmm, maybe it's not going to be that accurate just to recreate that. But everybody that I'm interested in showing something has been already there. So they are familiar with the environment. So that is what I mean. Once for, for, for a project, I was forced to make like a, super accurate version of the set in 3D, even with reflections and things, just because we, we were, I mean, we were hesitating just to make it virtual, completely virtual, or, so that was a, a, an attempt. And at the end, wow, it took so long just to create the virtual version of the set. And at the end, we went for the real one because the director wanted to shoot it for real. So, ah, if I knew that, that he wanted to shoot for real on the seat, I wouldn't need that all that amount of information. That was very cool anyway, because you, ha you have a, a good impression of the set, but it's not that necessary. So it's, it's also, a, you need to understand when it's time to stop how adding detail. And that is, as a, for a person that is a maniac of detail like, like me, that is the most difficult part. It's just to sacrifice things and just to make a rough composition. That is enough. So, and do like directors and cinematographers, do they like working with this kind of like rough sketches that, that you mentioned? Or, or do they prefer like to go like on location and see everything for themselves and like, uh, it, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 of course, it depends. And it always happens the same. In, I have been using this for a few projects now. And it, the pattern that I've seen is this. It's like, you know, guys, I, I'm going to create virtual virtual sketches of the set so if you need it i'm i'm happy to share this with you and everybody starts with the same thing no 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 we like we like to go on set no worries i take my pictures and i don't like this thing because in visual effects everything looks fake and blah 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 then it's like okay okay no worries i mean i'm just going to have it if you want anytime it's available and then they come to meet the office and it's like what are you doing no i'm just having the sign in this. What is that? You know, it's the camera. Can you put the camera there? Yeah. 
Oh my God, this is so cool. It just took you one minute to do that. Yeah, of course, because it's, can you do this? And then it's like, oh, can you come here? Because we can, do, and then I have the people in my office all day long and it's like, come on guys, I just need to do my own job. So it's a starting like that. It's a new technology. I guess as, as everything new, there is a certain resistance in the beginning to embrace that new technology. I cannot even imagine what is to be shooting in a, in a, in, you know, in a virtual production environment like the ILM, the stagecraft, with a director with no experience at all in visual effects. That would be hell because it's like, no, 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 this is going to look fake. This is very unnatural. And then you look at the results and it's flawless. It's really cool. So there is, of course, in the, in the use of technology, I think you need to trust the people that you are working with. Um, of course, it is really easy. If you are working with John Favreau, or Steven Spielberg, people that they know how the visual effects works because they use it to tell the stories. But there are other directors that are, they don't like visual effects to tell the stories because they see it as an obstacle. And maybe for them, it is indeed an obstacle. But when you use visual effects for storytelling, I don't care about the technology. I care about what I can get that I cannot get in any other way. So. If you embrace that for storytelling purposes and you trust your team, wow, that is very cool. But trust is built on proof. So you cannot just know someone for the very first time, as happens usually when you are working with a team, and just this person is going to say, ah, yeah, I'm going to create this and that and technology, and you just trust them. No, of course. But it's really cool when you see them approaching and you just initiate them into this thing and then it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they ask you, hey, can you share this with me? Can you? And the next project, because it happens with a director of photography that I work for a second project in a row. And on the second one, he was telling me, hey, are you going to take those snapshots for this? Because I'm not going to care about this anymore if you just take that, that plans for yourself. So that is very cool. And that, that person was over 60. So it was someone that has been working for many, many years in a different way. But then he acknowledged that there is a new way that can help you. So that resistance is always there, but when they embrace what you can do instead of embracing the technology abstractly or whatever, that is very cool. So there is a bit of everything. I have to say that in my experience, people with a certain age react better than younger directors because younger directors are more like very confident in technology because they have been raised with technology. And they, they, I will say, I'm not going to generalize, but usually they think that they know what technology can do. And maybe it's the technology based on three years ago. And that in visual effects is ancient history. Three years ago and today, the panorama of visual effects is a completely different animal. So the people that are in a certain age that has nothing to demonstrate, that has, you know, confident on what they have, it's just like, yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. Why not? So that is, I prefer to work people with more experience, of course, and the people that is just telling me, no, no, this is not good because uh, visual effects are not good for this. And I say, well, maybe yours, but not mine. So just allow me to do, allow me to do my job. So. But, you know, it changes from person to person. That, that is part of the job, and that is part also of what I love. Uh, I really like this answer. It's awesome. 
I you mentioned like John Farber and you mentioned Spielberg. Uh, there's also a good example of David Fincher, who oh, of is, course. who's like he's coming from visual effects, and he does a lot of films which are actually realistic. He, he does like the the girl with the dragon tattoo and all the other yeah. stuff, Seven and so on. And those are realistic films, but they are heavily using VFX there. Oh yeah, and that's I, I think that's a very cool kind of example of what you're saying. Like when you are using VFX in in a medium that you know how it works and so on, but at the same time, it, they do change. Like they put a helmet on the girl, or they remove the helmet, or or, or they do all yeah. some of these things. And yeah. these these are kind of the things that I wanted to ask. And the next question is. We see VFX used a lot in film right now. And I'm wondering whether you see examples where VFX helped to kind of like build um, sort of like a new cinematic language, work with form in a different way. Because uh, I think from even if you take the very heavy VFX based films like the Marvel Universe films or, yeah. or, or those kind of things. They do have a lot of VFX, but they're not playing, they're not as playful with like cinematic form as, let's say, Edgar Wright, right? Because when you go and see like Edgar Wright movie, it's like, it's like Charlie Chaplin. It's just yeah. like in music and sound and, and the cuts and everything is like totally works for his like comedy, like genre, right? So yeah. it, I'm, I'm, it's just like a very general question, so feel free yeah, to yeah. answer however you like. I'm just wondering whether we're going to see like directors and maybe a uh, cameraman or someone using like VFX to kind of like achieve, like uh, em emphasize that story that they're telling and to build like new tools out of that. I think you make an example that is really, really good, which is David Fincher. Fincher used to be, as everybody knows, if they don't, used to be a visual effects artist. I mean, if I'm not wrong, he wrote, he worked on The Return of the Jedi, on the Star Wars, on the very last, as yeah, a Matt Painter yeah, or something uh -huh. like that. Uh, so he knows, he knows the craft very well. So when he's directing and he's preparing the, the shoots, he knows very well when a visual effects can save you a lot of money and can allow you a point of view that has been never used before and is going to tell you that particular part of the story in a way that is going to support the story. I've never seen any shot in a David Fincher movie that is not helping to tell the story. He's not never using, uh, you know, just because he's cool, just because he's looking cool. He never used that because the story is cool when it's well told. That's it. That is that is the only the only thing that those kind of narrative use of the visual effects, the the girl with the dragon tattoo, or even even more that I have to admit that he fools me the first time I watch Gone Girl, because I say, well, there are there are no much visual effects in here. So and then I discover the whole house was a studio, and it's like, what the hell? So. I never ever notice anything unnatural. So he knows very well when he can stretch. And the way he's preparing the shooting, he's not like a super blockbuster director with a thousand of millions. And no, no, he's a very strict director. I'm not going to say he's an independent, 
but the way he's using for telling the story is minimal. He's not using complicated setups or whatever, but the way he's telling, as you said before, with the, the guy with the dragon tattoo, with the, the motorbike, there are shots in there that is like, how the hell has he shot that? And it's like full CG. And you never, ever notice that. Or other shots that are uh, not full CG, but maybe they just replace the face of the girl, our explosions. And it's like, wow, when you see the, the, the breakdowns and you realize that, wow, this is a lot of visual effects in there, but they are not noticeable. I love that, the invisible visual effects. Because when I'm watching a movie, I don't want to watch visual effects, as I don't want to hear the music, as I don't want to see the actors. I want to see a story, and the story is everything together in a certain way. So I don't want to notice the director vision or the editing. I just want to see the story. So in certain films, as you said before, uh, like Marvel superhero movies, something that I love, by the way, but it's another, it's another narrative. It's, it's so is so intense that it's looking more like animation than live action. And that is very cool because it's, you know, it's based on comic books and comic books are not novels. So they are not books for reading and they are still not paintings. It's something in the middle. Well, for me, superhero movies like Marvel superhero movies are something in the middle between animation, live action, and it works. It works, it's entertaining. But you know, you know, when you are looking at a frame of Iron Man, you know that doesn't exist. And you are just trusting the story and it's good enough. I mean, when, when you are telling a, a child a story, you start telling, the, telling them, once upon a time, there was a wolf that was talking to the grandmother and the people is the boring people. And then it's, and it's all good. It, it, they, are, they are little children and it's fine. But if you show the same, the same story in a very realistic way where you see a wolf eating the grandmother that is quite scary so the thing is there is a language for every kind of stories superhero movies are very cool but i think we have already a bit too much maybe and uh, maybe we should invest a bit more in other kind of stories because you know there is a lot of, to, of possibilities to explore still and, and explore so that is what I mean, is now the technology can do things that are allowing us to, to create something new. For instance, the Mandalorian, something that is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Western. Everybody knows the Mandalorian is a Western in the space. That was originally the idea that Josh Lucas had for the Star Wars, the original Star Wars. But this is like a very declared, this is a Western. But this Western that is very cool, is heavily based in technology without you noticing. Because I don't mean, of course, the, the spaceships, the space. No, no, no. It's like even a sunset. When you can shoot something at sunset, everybody that works in the industry know that shooting at sunset is the most difficult part ever. Because the sunset is lasting for maybe half an hour. And you, in half an hour, you have to get plenty of shots. There is a very famous film uh, shot by Nestor Almendros uh uh that was entirely shot in golden hour and it took months and months just because it was entirely shot in in there and but it's beautiful but it 
it's just, I mean, who is going to produce that because it's so expensive, just days and days for shooting half an hour a day. So now, you, thanks to technology, you can use that and shoot eight hours in sunset. And not only, you can put the sunset anywhere and you can put the sun up or lower or whatever. So that is something new. When technology is at the service of a story, you create something that is going to re relay as iconic as, for instance, Jurassic Park. The first time we saw a dinosaur, an organic creature, that was a benchmark about even the Terminator, Terminator 2, with the liquid metal uh, Terminator, that was a benchmark. And that was, again, a new technology. Or the Matrix, when, you, when we saw the first time the Valentine effect. And so when technology is supporting the storytelling, it is so cool because it's just like another point of view. Even for us, when we are working in, in the industry, in the visual effects industry or stor stories industry, we are telling the same stories as we have been telling for the last 25 centuries. I mean, in Greece, in the fifth century before Christ, so 2,500 years ago, they started telling the same stories we are telling right now, but in another way. So what we are doing is just changing the, the context of the story and evolving with us. But the stories are the same as humans are more or less the same. And you know, you don't need to go that far to see the world these days is not that different from the world than a hundred years ago. It's not that different. Um, people suffer the same, you know. So at the end, what we want is to be told the same stories, but in a different way. So that is the, the, the role of technology. Thank you so much. I think that's a very inspiring answer for everyone who's working in the VFX in general. <laughs> so I have one last question. And um, so you mentioned that you like to tinker with tech and you always kind of like looking at new technology. And you're saying that currently like the tech is jumping like three years in three years kind of intervals yeah. and everything's kind of changing. So um, my question is, what should we expect like in the next three, five years in like VFX and 3D production in general. Maybe there's going to be more AI or like neural networks or maybe something else. So would like to see your perspective. I think the, for what I see, the next big thing is going to be the neural networks and computer learning. Because what, I mean, something as silly as the face app this thing that is making you look like old and this that is amazing and you can do that in your phone what if we can apply that to make whatever it's just to change face of the actors or to recreate procedurally worlds or that can be applied by the way to to video games that have been video games right now are at the top of the pioneering in technology um uh, now what we are doing in in visual effects is applying that to how to tell stories in the in the you know in just a fixed rectangle because in the in the in the video game you have a 300 degrees of craziness in cinema you have just a you know a 69th or you know the, the the square for telling the the story that is easier in a certain sense but the the 
the third dimension that we are adding in cinema is storytelling. So you don't need to participate in the story. So you are told that being passive in this case is not wrong. It's not bad because I really enjoy someone telling me a story instead of participating in the story. So what I expect is like computer learning is going to assist on many tasks. Of course, the, the face changing and all of that, that we are now cut use the deep fakes and all of that. But other kind of processes that are for for instance, for compositors are going to be very, very important. For instance, rotoscoping. For the people that is not familiar, rotoscoping is, uh, you know, create the silhouette of someone and just to make make that silhouette to move along. So you can, you can get that person and to put it someone else or to put something behind. So that is a very, very expensive in terms of time process because you need plenty of people doing that for many, many hours while computers can procedurally do that in less than a second. So that is very impressive. So everything that is, you know, just time of computing, computers are just going to outnumber us because they are much better for calculation. Of course, they are calculators. So everything that relates on technical is going to be for computers. And that hopefully is going to allow us humans to become more artist-based. So no that focus on the on the technique or the computer. No, I'm just going to focus on something that computers will never have, which is taste. Taste, design, um, you know, all that little chaos that is in, in the mind of human beings that at the end, if you put together, that is art. So I want to focus more on art, less on technology but to focus less on technology i need to understand technology so that is like a paradox but at the end of the day if you know the technology then technology is at your service if you don't know the, the technology you are a slave of technology because you are that just going to be behind the technology trying to trying to fix something so that is what i see in the future and it's not even that far in the future the computers are going to assist a lot of the process of of you know the any, any visual effects task uh, procedurally or even even assisting or uh, detecting things detecting objects um i i i saw the other day um my my father-in-law he's blind and the other day i saw in a demonstration uh glasses uh that were seen objects and describing the objects something that is out of this world is like a camera that you point the camera to a mobile phone and it's telling you this is a mobile phone or you point to a person and it's telling you this is a person and if the and if the is in the database it's going to tell you the name of the person and can give you more data that looks like tony stark glasses in spider-man and now it's applying for helping people in the that is you know is not able to see well that kind of technology that amazed me. So when we are using that for creating a better world, and then we can use even that to share the technology between different disciplines, at the end, what we are doing is just rise with the technology. So it's just what makes us different from animals. It's just we use technology at our service. I don't think the Terminator is going to come to kill us all. <laughs> Skynet is not going to happen. But, you know, I'm very positive anyway. Cool. Well, Victor, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was a very interesting talk. 
We will uh, add uh, the links to your website and some of your reels to the description. So if everyone's interested, please click and enjoy and uh, have a look. Thank you so much. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.